everyone. Uh, this is Talk Bookie to Me, a discussion-based podcast all about books and book-related topics. Uh, this is a special gift-buying guide episode of Talk Bookie to Me. And for full transparency, this is our second take on I'm this so one. I'm so mad. <laughs> we recorded this entire conversation, this entire buying guide, a little bit over an hour long, and then the file got corrupted immediately, and we were not able like, to... Like, immediately. It was the fastest corruption I've ever seen. Yeah, and there is just no content in the file to even attempt to repair it or anything, so... We're recording again. Um, and we're hoping that this one's going to work. Yeah. So, uh, I am one host of this podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm here with... Felicia. And this... I'm, I'll, I'll get better. It's fine. Okay. I'm yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. so we're, frustrated. This is a fun episode. It's yeah, fun. it is a fun episode. And there's more meat on these bones than if it was like a regular episode. So, it's like... Yes. I have to find the silver lining. Right. So we should we should say just really quickly. Normally, Talk Bookie to Me is a three episode kind of series run throughout each month. So the first, the middle, and the last of the month, we go through our TBR, our reading goals, our updates. Uh, we review some books, give some suggestions. Um, this is a special. Yeah, um, we're gonna do things a little bit differently this time. Um, I mean, it's the holidays, so we wanted to be able to have suggestions for you all yeah so if you have book lovers in your life or if you want to turn someone into a book lover or you just want some more books for yourself for the holidays um we are going to do a rundown of that and give some very specific recommendations and talk about why we're recommending those books the way we have this segmented out uh for the first segment we will be talking about uh specific book recommendations based on age ranges. Mm-hmm. So we have children, middle grade, young adult, and adult. Um, and we've got it divided up kind of roughly into those categories like most booksellers do. And we're going to give uh, recommendations for each of those age ranges, talk through those a little bit. Um, and just to clarify, whenever we talk about children's books in particular, um, I think about books that are just getting you engaged with your brain. These are the early books that you read, the ones that typically make you a lifelong reader or, mm-hmm. you know, make you fall in love with these books. And it just helps you develop some of those uh, kind of basic personal right. skills there's always going to be those I can read books, but those aren't going to be the books that you remember For sure. reading as an adult. Absolutely. So... That is our justification for the first category. So do you have, uh, you want to run down your recommendations for children's books? Children's books, in my mind, immediately I thought of like picture books, but then I realized that children are older than babies. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So children's books range from zero to nine or 10 probably the because then you get so into rough. middle grade yeah it's just so roughly drawn categories it's ridiculous but yeah that's, that's <laughs> so i went a very different oh, i went a very different route than aaron did i was i wrote i writ, oh my gosh i wrote down all of my children's books and then i realized that i only wrote like Younger. these are books that my mom reads to me right instead right. of these are books that i read in school right um, so Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak. Um, that is a, a book that I read when I was younger. I think about that constantly. If I'm giving a gift to somebody, it's something that I, um, would read myself. It would be something that I would read to somebody. It would be something that I'd give to anybody who had, like, a new kid on the way. Um, it is 
about a um, the wild things, and a little boy he travels to where the wild things are. Yeah, like mystical, kind he, of mystical creature. Yeah, type and thing, he yeah. wants to be one of the monsters. He wants to be one of the wild things because he doesn't want to be in the real world. And, mm-hmm. and there's a movie about it, and I have not seen the movie. Uh, I hear it's good. It's but, good. I saw um, it. Really good visuals. Really I want to see it, great... but it's one of those things where I was a little bit worried that it would ruin one mm-hmm. of my one of my favorite childhood books. I think it's hard to do that with a with a children's book, though. Um, mostly because like the children's book is usually such a rough sketch of a story, and it's not like just like the full on like. And I feel like I'm repeating almost exactly what we said in our first take, so we're just gonna have these moments. But <laughs> okay. But I, I do think that. I think that children's books give such a rough sketch. Yeah. And it's usually general and there's a little bit of vague area. Yeah. So it's easy for a There's film. more room for interpretation because there's less mm-hmm. meat. And they can fill in the gaps. Yeah. And it's great. It's visually great. And it's all about imagination and adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing that I chose was Shel Silverstein. Literally any book by him. It, I read these when I was younger and I've read them as adults. Um, as adults, as an adult, um, it's it's approachable poetry for children. Mm-hmm. It is one of those things where it's almost a little bit like Dr. Seuss, where it's like you have A, B, A, B rhyme scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have these really cute little drawings to go with it. I absolutely love Shel Silverstein or Silverstein or... Yeah, it's well, it's very his his language is really playful. It's yeah. really whimsical. It's light. It's something that can make you laugh, but mm-hmm. there's like still substance there. Like you're learning these life lessons, but through language that is just like fun to read yeah. on the page. And I think we overlook that a lot with poetry. Is like it should also kind of be fun to read. Yeah, you know. And I think it's a great example of fun to read. And then the last thing that I have is Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day by Judith Vorst. Uh, This is also a movie now. This is something that I read when I was younger. Um, It's exactly that. He has a bad day, but everything is a minor inconvenience in comparison to, like, what we experience as adults. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. The cat has his paw under the door. (laughs) Yeah. If you hear a little noise, there's a... The, the the pets are restless that we reaching out. We've already had like an hour long in this closed room, so the pets are getting. Oh, restless, that, okay, that helped. Right. I'm actually glad he did that. Yeah, okay. all right. Some you're saying the uh, um, so yeah. it, it's when you're younger, everything is a problem. Yeah. Um, and everything is a bad day mm-hmm. because who wants to wake up at seven a.m. to go to school? And learn and then come home and have to do homework and they can't like hang out with their friends until their homework's done or you know. Yeah. So who wants to do that? And then we we were talking and I'll I'll just we were talking the last time <laughs> about how as adults we still feel like the minor inconveniences are gonna ruin our day. Mm-hmm. It having to re record a podcast in the grand scheme of things, oh, is a minor inconvenience. Well, um, it's an hour. It's an lives. hour, but that's it. It didn't kill us. It didn't make us sick. It didn't. It's an hour on a Sunday. It killed, <laughs> it killed part of me. <laughs> I died a little. We could be reading right now. Right. So it, it is funny that I can mention this book again mm-hmm. and have just experienced what really is a minor inconvenience. Right. Um, but it does make. Having to re-record a podcast when you're not feeling great 
on a Sunday when you could be doing other stuff <laughs> right. after doing it for an hour does feel like a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. For sure. And, <laughs> and just to kind of connect back to the books for children, though, I think that that that's the type of book also that I feel like would kind of validate your feelings at right. a young age, which is super important for children. Like they need to start learning that their feelings mm-hmm. matter and that the things that they're going through matter and that other people feel these things. So I, I think that that's an element of those books that I've never read them, but that's an element of those that it, it feels like it's a nice sentiment for children at that age. Cause you're, you're developing those, yeah. you know, concepts of self and, your feelings and what that means and how those affect you. And then I do have one more that I thought of recently. Oh, nice. Um, so there was a pug on TikTok, and his name was Bones, uh, and oh. his handler, John, no, took him... Noodle. Well, no, well, okay, his name was Noodle, but we know him because of No Bones or Bones Day. Um, and Noodle was an older, like an elder pug, and he passed away last year. This year. I think it was this year, I think. He passed away this year, and he was like a big thing on TikTok because John would, um, I think his name is John. Mm-hmm. He would set Noodle up in front of the camera and say, okay, Noodle, is today a Bones Day or is it a no Bones Day? And if Noodle stood up on his own, it was a Bones Day and it was going to be a good day. And if he did not stand up on his own, it was a no Bones Day and it was not going to be a good day. So everybody on TikTok would look and see, is it a Bones Day or is it a no Bones Day? Right. Well, I don't think, I didn't interpret it as like a good or bad day. I thought a Bones Day was like, be active today. Um, Go out and see, do I some... didn't, I don't know if I, and, I didn't, maybe I'm just like a more well, pessimistic yeah. person. Well, I think he outright says at one point, he's like, it's a no Bones Day, which means soft pants, soft lighting, mm. take care of yourself, like <laughs> slow down, just like enjoy, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah so yeah. they, I bought, um, I think it's called Noodle. I think, yeah, it's the children's book. And it's a really cute book, literally about Noodle and his Bones days and his no Bones days. Um, I bought it after John announced that Noodle has passed. Mm -hmm. Recently, he mentioned that he was going to do another book, Mm -hmm. another Noodle book. He also has another pug that I think he fostered Mm -hmm. or adopted that is another elderly pug. Um, I think it's just a really good thing to adopt elderly dogs. I think it's really sweet, but... That's yeah. a tangent, but that's no, another one that I read that I loved. It was so good. I think it's a great recommendation. Yeah, yeah, because he that that was definitely during the pandemic. Like those TikToks were yeah. a big deal. Like that was. I mean, like, he like Noodle saved us. Yeah, he, yeah, he gave <laughs> yeah. us like a little bit of light, a little something right. funny and silly to look forward to, you know. But I and mean, he was just the cutest, chunkiest pug yeah, ever. Yeah, yeah. All right, I don't want to think about the sadness. All right, um, <laughs> so I've got three children's book recommendations. Um. The first one is the Magic Treehouse series by Mary Pope Osborne. Um, I read uh, a lot of these. I don't know how many. There's like, you know. I feel like there's like 50. There's like there's at least 50, yeah. Um, if you've not seen these before, they're very thin. And the premise is that these kids' imagination runs wild and they have this magical treehouse that I think. There are 38. Oh, there's 30. Okay. And, and it transports these kids to different areas. Um, different kind of mystical areas, like sometimes they'll be in like medieval England, and then another time they'll be in, uh, you know, ancient Egypt or in the Amazon. I think I only read the one when they went back to the time of the dinosaurs. Yeah, I've read a lot of them, and they're very thin, they're very enjoyable, it's good for like exploring kind of the world around you, and like, I don't know, getting like comfortable with like 
I don't know, different cultures and different variety and things like that. And I think at a young age, that kind of diversity of exposure is super important. And here's a fun fact. She's still writing them. Number 38 came out this year. Oh. Number 37 and 38 came out this year. That's cool. She must have taken a break for a while because they started (laughs) in like the 90s, I swear. Um, that's really cool but anyway that's a very good series there's a lot of those you can find box sets of them pretty easily and you're going to be able to find them used as well they're they're great like really really great for young kids and apparently they're banned by the way yeah of course um but that's one of the ones that got me first fixated on like egyptian mythology Mm -hmm. and like egyptian culture and i think those are good books for kids to find like their obsession because you know every kid has like an obsession like mm-hmm. dinosaurs or Egypt. Or, I think Animorphs did that for me. Yeah, I, like, like I loved like dinosaurs, even right. though Animorphs is like a weird non-dinosaur shape-shifting thing. thing. Yeah, yeah I was like mm, they're monsters. Right. There's something. <laughs> yeah, and I think every kid typically finds that one obsession, and then they just mm-hmm. like latch onto it for a while. These books are great for that. Um, and I mentioned in the previous recording a really fun thing. Uh, one of my classes that I took it was a discovery class. It was like for uh, like a like an enhanced history course for younger people basically uh but but they incorporated a lot of like literature and things as well and at one point you had to pick a book or a book series and create a board game out of it um and one of my classmates made the magic treehouse into a board game and it was probably the best one of the batch because it's easy to have different levels and different areas on the board be different places that they go in the magic tree See, while you were reading magic treehouse i was reading boxcar children right well, um, but that's a different generation, well, I'm sure. Also, to be fair, I did my board game project on Stephen King's Rose Red. Mine was like oh. a, mine was like a haunted house. Yeah, so like I was not in elementary school. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> very aggressive uh, reading journey. But anyway, um, my second recommendation is the uh, Captain Underpants uh, books by Dave Pilkey. Uh, he also has the Dog Man and a Cat uh, Cat Man. Bull Cat. No, it's Dog Man and it might Cat be Cat Boy. Boy. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, I haven't read the Dog Man ones, obviously, because it's a little outside of my age range now. But um, Yeah, those are way more recent. Yeah. Um, I would say like in the 2000s. For sure, yeah. And so Captain Underpants basically is a story of two childhood best friends that uh, like to make comic books. And they create a comic book character named uh, Captain Underpants. And he wears a red cape and tidy whities um, And he uh, he comes to life. And nothing and, underneath. Right, right. Unlike Doug. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, uh, I like, I have to make that reference. Every yeah. time, this is not the first time we've talked about Captain Underpants. You just in general. Doug. Yeah. I don't want anybody forget to forget about Doug's Quail Man. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, Captain Underpants was a it's a it's a very silly book about just like rambunctious kids just being kids basically, but it's also a superhero story. It's kind of like an egg. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and this one hit hard for me because like I was really into the comics and I wanted to draw and write com- well write comics mostly, and the fact that they created their own comic book, an amateur comic book in the story was just awesome to yeah. me that was so inspiring and it encouraged me so that's great for kids to get the kind of creativity running to you know those imagination superhero stuff and it's like a good branch into like thicker books because they are thicker yeah but part of them is illustrated yeah so yeah. it whenever i finish a, a thicker book no matter how old i am i'm like oh awesome like i just finished this 300 page book right. i just finished this 500 page book and it's it's 
Magic Treehouse starts out with like 50 pages, which oh, is yeah. long for a kid's book. Yeah. Um, and then Captain Underpants goes to like 100 pages. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so they get up there for it's. Sure. Especially today. Like, the ones that you have are a mm-hmm. lot thinner than the ones that they. I feel like they're making today. Well, they, they thinned them out. Um, the original ones were a little bit thicker, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And then they thinned them out and started making multi-parts. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd have, like, part one and okay, part two. Okay, that makes sense. They did that sort of thing. And then I haven't seen any since then. But, but yeah, they're, they're like, a fun book. Um, they're great for people who really liked the illustrated books. Mm-hmm. And then wanted to start reading something more. They're such a good transition book. For sure. They're great. Uh, and then the last recommendation that I have are the Goosebumps books by R.L. Stein. Um, we had to do a little research into this to see recommended ages Dang that yeah, kids read weird. these books. Um, I think the school librarians were saying that like second and third grade is usually the most people that check them out. Uh, but they are technically listed, I think, for like 9 to 14 age range right. or something. Um, regardless, uh, it's goosebumps. They're scary. Uh, they're thin books. They usually have some type of moral lesson to the horror as well. Um, but they are approachable and genuinely some of them get pretty scary overall. Um, and one of the big ones on this especially is, uh, the mask is one of my favorite ones. Um, and that's one that they turned into a film and I watch the movies a lot. And yeah, I I think that they're good for that initial kind of like genre reading right. and creating now, some strong emotions. Now, if they are reading that, well, I also read mm-hmm. um, in elementary school, which is kind of weird now that I think about it, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, Goosebumps transitions into that really well. For sure. Um, but like, if they liked Goosebumps in second and third grade, then in mm-hmm. fourth and fifth grade, they might like Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Absolutely. Yeah. But they are scary. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> So now we're transitioning into middle grade books. Um, Middle grades is whenever I start thinking about uh, expanding your imagination a lot. Like I think of middle grade reading as a lot of like fantasy and sci-fi and things like that for me. This is around the time that I started getting introduced to Narnia and uh, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that because you're able to engage with a little bit higher level books um, and also, you can think a little bit more abstractly in the middle grades range. Um, so, I'll, I'll run straight mm-hmm. into mine if that's okay. Yeah. So, my my first recommendation is the Red Wall series by Brian Jakes. So, I've only read like bits and pieces of this. I've never read a full Red Wall book. I, I do have the first one. I'm staring at it right now. <laughs> um, this is a fantasy series in which uh, like animals are the characters. So, it's a... Uh, you know, fantasy-related stuff with, uh, in particular, mice and rats and cats and things like that. And there was badgers and moles and things. Um, it's really creative, really odd and engaging, especially for middle grades readers. And this book series is also kind of the first step in terms of, like, engaging with a little bit more mature right. themes. There's some dark elements to these books. Like, there's some death. There's, like, coming to terms with, like injury and like ability levels and uh, uh, you know fighting obstacles mm-hmm. and and very like real in, engagement with those themes which i think is great because that's where middle grades needs to start stepping in but what direction. makes it middle grade is the fact that they're animals yep um yep. animals make it less relatable to yep. children and so they're able to step back and not see Mm-hmm. You know, people their age dying or their, you know, family's age dying. They're just seeing animals dying, which 
as an adult, I feel like it's so much worse. Right. But when I was a kid, I was like, oh, well, it's just animals. Like, yeah. they're not like us. Yeah, it it, remo- it makes it a little bit more removed. It's not as close to home, mm-hmm. necessarily. But it still <laughs> teaches you those themes. So, Redwall's great. I recommend those. Um, I want to read more of those personally. I just haven't gotten around to it. Well, um, that's why you bought them as an adult. Right. Uh, second recommendation that I have is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, now, just like Lord of the Rings, um, The Hobbit is high fantasy with hobbits and elves and dwarves and things like that. Um, there, there are big battle scenes. There are uh, kind of funny riddles. Right. There, there is world building, but it's yeah. not like super intricate world building. There's great descriptions of food. There, it's just, it's a very, very classic adventure story. And I think most people are familiar with The Hobbit at this point. Um, but it is the story of Bilbo Baggins who gets thrust into adventure, and he's a hobbit, so he doesn't like adventure. He just wants to live in his quiet hole in the ground. And just enjoy his it's life. Awful. Yeah, and but they he's thrust into adventure to go on this big trip to be a burglar and steal treasure from a dragon, basically. Smog. Um, yeah, again, very classic story, but I think it's great. I and mean, there's a lot of different versions of it. There's illustrated versions. Um, there's uh, just the straight up, just standard hardcover or paperback versions. Uh, there's there's ones with commentary. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of I them. Would, I would are... honestly, if you are buying for a middle grade, I would mm-hmm. honestly just recommend the illustrated version. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it is a daunting book. A little bit. Because it can be. It's a it's well the version I have is a mass market paperback, mm-hmm. and it was if it, it was kind of thick and the words were really small because that's what they do with that type of paperback. Yeah. Um, but the illustrated does break up all the text. It does. And I think that's really important to keep people in that age range mm-hmm. invested. And it also helps with the imagination, yeah. right? I mean, you're it, maybe it's a little harder for you to imagine what this dragon looks like by reading through it. But if you're able to get an image of smog on the page and how much gold there is, then that's a lot easier for you to follow the story. So... But I recommend that. I think that everybody should read The Hobbit, at least give it a try once in their lives, because it's an amazing classic fantasy mm-hmm. book, one of the best. And my last recommendation for middle grades is The uh, Land of Ingari by Diana Wynne-Jones. Uh, this is a trilogy um, about uh, Howl's Moving Castle. So if you're familiar with Studio Ghibli, um, Studio Ghibli is... Uh, all of their movies, their anime movies, they're very cozy Mm -hmm. a lot of food a lot of whimsical magical worlds that you get transported to that don't always make a ton of sense Um, and that's what this story is these this is the story of Howl's Moving Castle there's love there's betrayal there's uh, great adventures there's talking animals and scarecrows and um, a talking flame, a uh, little fire thing. I mean, there's a lot to chew on with these books. But again, very cozy, very inviting, uh, very comfortable in a lot of ways, but there's still adventure. There's still some stakes there, uh, but it is it is great for that middle grade. Yeah, it's like area. a good start to cozy fantasy. Yeah, for sure. All right, what are your middle grades um, recommendations? So I have the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. That's, I've read... See, I can't remember if I read the fourth one out of the five, or I started the fourth one out of the five. Um, This is a series that I talked about both in October and in November, because I read book one and two during that time. Um, I really like this series. It's it's a very 
easy stepping stone into mythology because Mm -hmm. you don't have to know anything about mythology. You don't have to know that Zeus is the king of the gods and he wields lightning and he's a, you know, you don't need to know all of that Mm -hmm. because it tells you. Um, You know, there's a, a spot in it when he's talking to Hermes and he's like, oh, Hermes, the messenger god, I know who you are. Like, he, like, tells you. Right. Which makes it really easy for middle grades to kind of get into knowing mythology because I think that knowing mythology is important, but I have a biased opinion, but it's not a big, whatever. <laughs> um, mythology shapes a lot of the literature mm-hmm. today and a lot of um, media today. Yeah. So I think that knowing about mythology is important. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the Percy Jackson series is a really good way to get into that. Not only that, once they finished the five-book series, well, now it's six because it just came out this year. Once they finished the five-book series, then there's like six other books that are still part of the Camp Half-Blood scenario, Mm -hmm. but aren't necessarily following Percy Jackson. Right. I think these are great, and I'm going to read them. Right. (laughs) I have three more in the main series, and then the other ones... And then the newest one in the main series. So I'm going to try to read them in the order that they came out because mm-hmm. I think that that's important. Yeah. And and from what I understand, too, like a lot of people, rightfully so, are avoiding uh, uh, like Harry Potter and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from a lot of people saying that Percy Jackson is a great substitute for Harry Potter if you don't want to get involved mm-hmm. in, you know, uh, supporting problematic authors then the Percy Jackson series might be something to tiptoe into. And a lot of the adults that we watch um, on like recommendations and mm-hmm. TikTok and YouTube, even they read reread Percy Jackson and still find it relevant, mm-hmm. which I do too. I think that it's a, a good read. I think it's a fun adventure. I think if you're just trying to get away for a little bit mentally, these mm-hmm. are the best place for that. So even though we have them in the middle grade section... It can be for anybody. I mean, like we said at the top of the show, like this, the, these age range designations are a little ridiculous because there's there's going to be people who are reading well above these designations or sometimes well below it. So it's it's yeah. fine. But um, the next one I have is one that I got for my nephew or one of my nephews. Um, it's Last Kids on Earth. It's a series by Max Brillier. From what I understand, he really liked these. These have really cool covers. They're like a little comical from what it looks like on the covers. But mm-hmm. it is an adventure story at the end of the day. Um, the font was really cool. I mean, really, I'm I'm a sucker for covers. The font was really cool. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I think I'm going to try these out. And it, I think his mom told me he did, he like devoured them. How many I got him, so right. I'm not getting him any more of those. Um, and I haven't read those, you know, so I can't really tell you. And then my sister read The Sisters Grimm by Michael Buckle. What I think is really important is access. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times literature genders, and so it's harder for, um, it's harder for you to get the same information as the other gender in middle school. And the Brothers Grimm is something that's very accessible now, but it wasn't always like that. And brothers are in the title. Mm-hmm. So boys are going to go towards it. Right. 
And so with the Sisters Grimm, it, it creates these fantastical stories, but for girls. Yeah. And anybody can read them again. Of but, course. Yeah. But it does help this like movement of, okay, well, you know, genres are not gender specific. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a thing that a lot of people were doing for a long time. Genres were gender specific, it felt like. And it's incredibly important to push back against that. Right. And like fantasy isn't really something like... The biggest example that I have now is this romanticy genre. Where clearly that's like female-led genre of fantasy. Right. And mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's necessarily accepted in the mainlining fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And... This, it's it's one of those things where, why not? Uh, I'm going to get on this tangent. It's fine. Um, <laughs> anyways. It, it, we get the, we get the, I think that. The it is important that girls have access to all genres and boys have access to all genres. Yeah. It's a, yeah, gender should not be a, a thing that separates any type of art in that sense. <clears throat> but uh, when you're young, it's easy to choose books. Mm-hmm. With people like you in them. Of course. Yeah. And so it needs to, there needs to be more books with people like them. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that's where the Sisters Grimm came in. Representation matters. Yeah. yeah. All right. So <laughs> I can go on this long no, thing. You're okay. <laughs> so now we're, we're moving into YA yep. next. So yep. now this is a young adult uh, range. Um, again, it, I, I like to try to identify what I look for in books within right. each of these ranges. Again, like if children's books are about like kind of learning about yourself and your emotions and things, and middle grade is about starting to expand your horizons a little bit. You do I, more fantastical out of this world. Yeah, kind of stuff. I think the YA is where you start like figuring out your identity. It's more grounding. Yeah, it's more. It, it kind of brings you back down. It helps you figure out who you are and what your place in society is. That way, you can start kind of building from there. So, um, I'll let you. Do your YA first. Yeah, so the first one I have is Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants by Amber Shares. Um, There are four books in the main series for YA, and then there is an adult version um, where the sisterhood comes back as adults. The first four I've read... um, Oh, that's one of the series I finished, technically. Nice. Cool. I finished one. All right. <laughs> you got one. Well, I mean, unless you don't, like, if you don't count the adult one. Right. Um, so it's about these four friends who are of different backgrounds, different body types, different, um, uh, like, it, oh, man. They like different things. I yeah. cannot think of Their the word. Their interests they, That's the yeah. word I was literally uh-huh. trying to think of. I gotcha. Um, and they, they shouldn't fit this pair of pants that they got. Um, but they do. And so they mail these pants back and forth to each other. And while the pants are in the possession of each person, each chapter is in that POV of that person. Mm-hmm. So uh, while they're wearing the pants, they talk about the adventure during their chapter. They talk about what they did in those pants. Mm-hmm. And then they mail it off. And the next person picks up the POV and the pants. Yeah. Um, it's a really fun friendship story and it it's about trying to maintain friendships um through hardships and through changing of opinions and and just in general it's, it's kind of difficult to maintain friendships when you can drift apart um <clears throat> so that is one that i really recommend there's also a book about it um 
Nope, that's the book. There's also a movie adaptation. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh. No, you're fine. Um, which I liked it. Blake Lively was in it. Um, I think I saw 30 minutes of that on. Gosh, I can't like, remember who else. TNT. Was in it. They were so young. Or something. Yeah. This feels like so long ago. It's yeah. It's a um, <laughs> the Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. It's a really good like mystery story. If you like Clue or if you liked Knives Out, um, Glass Onion, it's it's one of those four fans of Knives Out comes mm-hmm. the Inheritance Games. I have three of the four books. The fourth one came out this year. Um, it starts with this girl who inherited inherits a fortune. Mm-hmm. But the guy that gives her, and he's a stranger, but the guy that gives her the money has four grandsons and two daughters, and you're trying to figure out why they didn't go to them, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to figure out why it went to you. The house is full of puzzles and mysteries. It's full of, like, secret rooms. Um, it's, It's like a riddle puzzle book. Yeah. The entire series is like that, and I really liked those, um, because I like a mystery. Mm Mm-hmm. And I like puzzles, and so it kind of works out. So I really like that series. I think it's a good series. Um, you can get the whole box set for not super expensive. They just came out with a really nice special edition of the Inheritance Games with um, colored edges. It's like a whole decorative edge situation. They're mm-hmm. really pretty. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the last one that I have is The Maze Runner by James Dashner. Um This is a dystopian Hunger Games kind of thing where these teenagers are just kind of thrown into this scenario and they exist there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like a survival scenario. Yeah. And they either survive or they don't. There's Mm -hmm. no getting out. So they think. And they and they have people that have to like run this maze to like gather resources yeah. and like do things like that. And it's And the maze is super dangerous. Yeah. Um there are maze runners who have been training to run through the maze and they've mapped out the maze and they know where spots are and the maze is seemingly endless. Mm-hmm. Um and people don't make it back. Right. Um and so it's a story of them trying to survive and also trying to figure out if there is a way out. Yeah. And I have only seen the first movie. I've not read any of the books. I started reading the first one on Audible or on audio. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't think that I, I don't think that's a format for me. Okay. Yeah. I think it's good for me whenever it's like a mystery and I don't need to know details, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a format for me. Yeah. Yeah, you're not missing much with the rest of those movies either. The, the first one's very, very good, and then they just get progressively worse, yeah. from what I remember. I think I've only I've seen the first one a couple times, and I've only seen the sequels once. I mean, because it's just they're just not worth going back to, in my opinion. But no, I I I really want to read those books as well. It seems to be right up my alley because yeah. I like that kind of stuff, and I really, really like that first movie. Like I genuinely think about that movie pretty often. All right, so I've got some YA recommendations. Um, my first one is going to be Paper Towns by John Green. Um, you could substitute any John Green book, basically. Um, I've I've not read all of his stuff, but he has a very earnest and sincere and sort of direct way that he writes. Um, a lot of his books are coming-of-age stories, and it's a lot of flawed characters kind of learning uh, how to kind of shed their youth while still clinging on to 
the parts of their identity that make them whole and make them feel good. Uh, Paper Towns in particular is a story about a, uh, a guy, a young guy that grew up next door to this woman, um, or this girl, and he develops a crush on her. And then later on in life, uh, she starts hanging out with him out of nowhere, and then she goes missing. Um, this is very early in the book, mm-hmm. so it's not a, you know it's not well, and big spoilers. The biggest thing is like he develops a crush on her without really knowing who she is. Exactly. Just because they live next to each other, just because of proximity, just because of like seeing her in the hallways and the rumors around the school. Right. Like she has this whole mythology built around mm-hmm. her based on everybody at the school, so nobody's really looking for her that much. Um, so he, him and his friends start to kind of put together clues to try to find her. And that's what the book is. Um, but I think that, like I said, I think young adult books are where you're starting to learn who you are and you're starting to learn lessons about being an adult. Um, and one of the big lessons that's in this book is, um, not building people up as what you want them to be. It's allowing yourself to understand who they really are. Because he had this entire image of who she was, like you said, without ever Mm -hmm. really meeting and talking to her on any sort of deep level. Um, So I think that John Green has this really good skill for taking complex emotions and feelings like that that we typically go through and exploring them through these like pretty relatable characters. And again, he gets knocked every now and then for being overly sincere or in his writing. Um, he gets people say it's kind of corny or cheesy, and it might fall into that I category. I think that sometimes. YA does that though. I think yeah. that's important because sometimes, especially with like younger YA, you kind of do need to spell it out for people. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it's a story about like this guy finding himself while trying to find her. Yeah. And duh. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Like yeah, when exactly. you're that age, like that's what you need to do. Right. So sometimes you need to be you need it to be spelled out yeah, for you. It needs to be on the nose. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But like I said, almost any John Green book, um, Paper Towns also has a movie that's pretty decent, um, and he has other books like Turtles All the Way Down. It's about Stars. like anxiety stuff. Yeah, Faulkner Stars is the big one. That movie blew up. Um, and uh, there's an abundance of Catherines. I don't know much about that one. And Looking for Alaska is the other one that I want to read because the Hulu show is really, really good. So, um, yeah. So, John Green stuff, Paper Towns in particular. Um, the next one is one of the 10 books, uh, or one of our 12 books of Christmas that you got me last mm-hmm. year. Um, and it is Shatter Me by Tahiri Mafi. Um, and this is a, what did we say it was? Six books, six full size books, and then like, like, two, like two, or two or three novellas. Um, it's a it's a dystopian story uh, about a young woman who is basically being like held prisoner, um, and about her more or less coming of age and understanding who she is and finding her ability to fight back and you know take on this like weird messed up system and uh, there's a little bit of love triangle stuff sort of um, there's there's definitely like a few romantic elements but again it's mostly about her figuring out who she is taking control of her power and you know kind of carving out her place in the Mm -hmm. world basically um again all of those themes that i think are important for YA, and then lastly is a super classic uh fantasy so it's aragon by christopher paolini uh murtag just came out this uh november 7th i think it was of last Mm -hmm. month um and that was uh christopher paolini's first book in this world that had in a while there's four of the main Aragon books. I think they call it the Inheritance Cycle. Yeah. So it's Aragon, Eldest, um, 
Oh, I always um, forget the next one, and Brissinger is the last one. Oh, Inheritance, one. I think, is just Oh, Inheritance, yeah, one. it is. Yeah, so it's, wait. So or, er, no, it's Brissinger and then Inheritance, I think. Something like that. Anyway. It um, is Aragon Eldest for sure. Yes, yeah. And then I'm pretty sure it's Brissinger and then Inheritance. That sounds right. Um, regardless, um, I, I've made it about two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through that first book multiple times. I never can get past the desert scene. Uh, the pacing slows down a ton in the desert, and then it like. It... Do you, okay, so we we joked about this last time, <laughs> okay. but I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Do you think that's intentional? Like a desert is meant to be sluggish. If so, I think it was a bad choice. Oh, okay. Because because everybody that I know, like because again, my grandpa read it, my cousins read it multiple times. Even they say that that part is not good. Like, mm. like Gramps, he almost didn't finish it at that point. And uh, my cousin Tia keeps telling me, if you get through that, you're good. Like, that's the worst part of the book. This just goes back to that, <laughs> right, that right. thing that I harp on. Like, right. if you can't get past the first book, yeah, how can well, the rest of them... And I get it, yeah. because the first book is always going to be set up. It's world building. But things, if yeah. it's so difficult to get through, mm-hmm. then that maybe just means it's not it, necessarily for you, but that's and, okay. And to be clear, it's really only this one section that's difficult okay. to get through. Like, the the beginning of it is fine. I mean, again, it's a, if you're not familiar with the plot of Aragon, the basic idea is a young farm boy uh, finds a dragon egg that he hides and starts taking care of, and then it hatches, and then he, his whole life is just kind of thrown into a spiral because uh, I think dragons are supposed to be extinct, basically. Um, it's a very classic chosen one story, reluctant protagonist, uh, you know, rags to riches kind of thing. Um, but again, it, it is a lot of buildup, but it slows to a snail's pace in the desert. And then immediately after that, supposedly, it picks back up and it is just like super fast paced through the end of that book. And it is just like supposed to be great once you get through it. But So that's my last YA recommendation. Uh, we're going to get into the adult section now. And adult books are so broad and mm-hmm. so expansive that we really can't do what we did for the other sections. <laughs> right. So we've broken this down into genres because a lot of times uh, people's genre preferences are going to vary a lot more once they're older um, because, you know, as adults, we don't have as much time to read. We're not being as exposed to books because we're not in the classroom or something like that, right? We're not being forced to read stuff. Right. So we're it's trying not like to... like we're going to the library every Friday. Right. And we're <laughs> trying to explore it, you know, so... So we've got um, some genre recommendations. Our first genre that we're going to work with is nonfiction. Um, I'm going to recommend They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us by uh, Hanif Abdurraqib. Um, if you've listened to any of our podcast episodes, I talk about this book a lot. Um, it is a book of personal essays, um, and it is uh, very engaging, mm-hmm. very easy to dip in and out of, um, and it is all about... Smooth reading. It's very smooth reading, yeah. and it's all about music. So this guy really knows music. He, he has a wide, expansive range of genres of music he enjoys. And each essay is focused on like a band or a song or a concert or a movement within music. or like Some kind a, of like musical event. Yeah, yeah. Some, some music concept related to it. And then he builds that out. Um, one of my favorite chapter or essays was about Fallout Boy. I didn't know much at all about Fallout Boy. And, and you were like twenty pages on it. Yeah, it was and, a long one. Yeah, and it was amazing because it was like all about the what Fallout Boy represents to people and like the lead singer like leaving and coming back and like them having all kinds of arguments and going from this 
small Midwest band to this larger band. And it's just this, I don't know, it's really interesting. And and he's got uh, someone like Bob Dylan as well. Uh, or no, Bruce Springsteen, not mm-hmm. Bob Dylan. And uh, yeah, just, just a range. It just talks about metal, Midwest metal music a lot. Uh, a lot of hip-hop stuff in there. It's just... Again, it, it, it's something that a lot of people can relate to with music, and then he takes it and goes be, below the surface yep. level of it. So that's a great one. I think it's accessible. It's very approachable. You can just hop in and out of it. He's got a great writing style. It's it's very fun. Um, I have I love something a little different. Where's Mom Now That I Need Her? Surviving Away From Home by Betty Ray Franzen. There's also a Where's Dad Now That I Need Him. I don't know if it's the same author or not. Um, these, I... So, me and my brother both got these whenever we went to college from our mom. Um, I still have mine. I think he still has his. I haven't looked at it in a long time, so I, I don't know... I don't remember 100% what's in it, but I remember... Um, so the where's mom now that I need her was how to get stains out of laundry, how to uh, check for fruit and make sure. For, I'm pretty sure that was in there. Yeah. Um, the measurement conversion guides. Um, it, that stain one was like all kinds <laughs> right, of stains. Right. It was like how to get this kind of stain out and mm-hmm. it t- showed you the combination of things to do or pre-treat. <laughs> or how to get red wine out yeah. to start drinking. Right. <laughs> um, and then there was recipes, of course, too. And then the, the Where's Dad, Now That I Need Him, um, had uh, hooking up a car battery to jumpstart your mm-hmm. battery or how to cook meat to know when the like the meat is done with the certain temperatures, mm-hmm. um, how to check air in your tire, how to check your oil. So they're guides for you know what your parents would have taught you mm-hmm. and what you might need as an adult. And so the reason I chose these is because um, we got them for college, but they really would be good for people who are going into their homes for the first time, mm-hmm. or um, people who just got married, or. That kid that always calls you to figure out, you know, what to put in your ground beef to make it taste better or something. Right, you know? right. Um, and I think about that because my brother calls uh, my mom to send pictures of the ground beef because he's mm-hmm. colorblind and he can't tell yeah. if the ground beef is done. So I think about that sometimes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. That's well, not in there. There's not a co- there's not a uh, colorblindness guide, yeah, but yeah. I think about that because I mean I'm sure. We still call her and ask her about stuff, but um, those I think those are really great books for stuff like that. Yeah, um, I, li- I like those. So I like the, the idea of those. I oh yeah, say. I yeah. like I really like fact guides. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I got for Christmas one year was weird knowledge of North Carolina. Yeah, that's one thing I wanted. Stuff like that's great. And then I have an unusual knowledge book um, as like my bath time book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I just like books that I can flip open. And it tells me, like, a random fact, and then I can close it. Which is, if you're... Okay, here's one. If you have somebody that liked the Guinness Book of Records books, these are the type of books that they would like as adults. Yeah. These weird random knowledge things where Mm -hmm. they don't have to read it front to back like I did the Guinness Book of Records, but they could just, like, open it up and weird facts today in history. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Anyways. (laughs) Our next uh, category that we did was poetry. Uh, last year we did, we read a lot of poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think it was like July 
to October is when we were reading poetry. It may have been, yeah. Um, <clears throat> because then we picked up manga and then we went on another tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing a lot better this year as far as diversifying our, <laughs> our palettes. But I've only read two books of poetry this year. Yeah. Um, and I've read one manga throughout the year mm-hmm. because I, I have to catch up. I have to keep up with kaiju or it's going to get ahead of me. Right. Um, so... The book I chose was Your Heart is the Sea by Nikita Gill. It's um really any book of poetry by her. Mm-hmm. But this is the one that sat with me the most. Um, <clears throat> I should have let you go first because your book of poetry is a little like simpler. Like it leads into my style yeah, of poetry fine. a little bit. Um, and it's life lessons and love and finding yourself. Um and there's another one. See, I forgot her name again. The Small Cures. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was a De- Della, Della something, something. The, the concept of that book is that it's like... Della Hicks Wilson wrote Small Cures. Yeah. Which was another book um, about, like, identity and finding yourself and finding strength within yourself. And that's the, the type of poetry that I really leaned on mm-hmm. a lot last year because last year was really difficult. Yeah, um, of course. And the if you if you pay attention to to TikTok mm-hmm. and they just have these like poetry segments, this is the type and style of poetry that I'm into because it's not anything that I have to analyze, but I can analyze. Yeah. It's all everything that you need to know is there, mm-hmm. and you don't have to figure out what the author's motives were because it's there. I think that's what's important to clarify about poetry because I, I feel like a lot of adults stop reading poetry um, because it's typically associated with like, all right, now sit down and pick apart this metaphor or mm-hmm. let me know this rhyme scheme and like, you know, look at the iambic pentameter of this, like what, you know, and really analyzing it on that level, um, which segues well into my pick. Um, I'm actually going to mention two, but the first one is uh, Atticus. Uh, he's a poet that just goes by Atticus. Um, and he has uh, four books of poetry that are unique, full-length books of poetry. And then he has um, the best of Atticus. I haven't read the best of, but I've read three of the other four books. This is the kind of poetry that I would say is kind of like Instagram poetry. Um, it's poems that are very short, very direct, very plain language, um, and just like little snippets. Um, I think I've used the term snackable poems. Like mm-hmm. it just... It, it, it's like popcorn, you know, it's like, and you know, some of them will stick with you and they'll resonate and you'll remember them for much longer. Some of them are probably just going to wash over you and then just kind of keep moving. Um, I've got a bookmark here actually with one on it and I'll just I'll oh, yeah. read this very short. I uh, that. Yeah. It says, uh, <laughs> love could be labeled poison and we'd drink it anyways. Um, so you get an idea, mm-hmm. short, direct, simple, but meaningful. They're almost like, um... You know those little snippets of like Confucius says, yeah, or yeah. or like what you get on the back of like a fortune cookie. Mm-hmm. It's they're like one line singers. Yeah, but like, but good. You know, there's yeah. substance there. Yeah. You just need to be in the mood for it. To, mm-hmm. You know, and again, some of them will just wash over you, and you'll never think of them again. Some of them will really stick. Yeah. Um, the other book of poetry, very quickly, which uh, I remembered as we were recording the first time, right. uh, so I wanted to throw it in again. It's called Grocery Shopping with My Mother um, by Kevin Powell. 
Um, this book of poetry, I think, is great for adults because uh, it's all about, um, it's a bunch of poems about him spending time with his mom and like what that means as she gets older and as the generational divide widens and him just like coming to terms with like her mortality and like seeing that one day she's not going to be around and one day she's going <coughs> to need a lot more care than she does now. So it's a very good one. It's very emotional. Um, I, I won't read any of the poems from it because it's a little bit longer, but I definitely recommend it. It's a thin book. It's a quick read, but it's got the emotional weight behind it that I think is important. Um, our next category, uh, we're going to do sci-fi. Uh, and sci-fi I've read a decent amount of, and my easy pick would be a Becky Chambers book, but I don't think everybody's into cozy sci-fi, so I'm not going to lean on Becky Chambers too much. I think I bring her up every episode of this podcast mm-hmm. anyway. I thought you were going to. Yeah, and and if I had to say favorite sci-fi or something, I would go that route. Right. But if we are talking about a buying guide... Right, like um, if, you, if you know somebody likes sci-fi, yeah. you're not necessarily going to recommend Becky Chambers right. because it's not traditional sci-fi. No, no, it's slower, more character-driven... Uh, it's much more contained. Not a lot of action. Yeah, there's not a lot of action. Um, but the one that I did pick is the Murderbot Seer, or Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Um, so I think the first one's called All Systems Red. Uh, this book, this book series, very thin books, like 150 pages at the most, I think. Um, they're hardcovers. They're really cool, interesting, quick reads. My only issue is that uh, for being such thin books and such quick reads, every one of them is like twenty eight to thirty dollars, um, mm-hmm. which makes it very difficult to justify buying well, a bunch of them. They're on you know? sale right now. Oh, for well, that's like good. sixteen a piece. That's good. That's so much. That's good. That's more manageable. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, the concept of the Murderbot Diaries is um, there is a murder bot, an AI robot that was built uh, to fight. And this murder bot has uh, basically rewired its AI a little bit to where it can make some decisions on its own and like download some things on its own. And it gets an obsession with like uh, like trashy daytime television, essentially, mm-hmm. and like soaps and uh, like reality TV and stuff like that. So there's a lot of humor in this book. Um, there's also like pretty good characterization. Uh, there's also some pretty good action scenes. So if you're looking for sci-fi action, there's going to be some of that in here. But again, there's also a lot of humor, a lot of like dry humor in particular, some stuff like that. So uh, what's your sci-fi pick? So I have read Rising by Pierce Brown. I've talked a lot about this series as well. Um, I have read book one and book two. Um, I put myself on a book buying band, so I don't have book three, so I couldn't finish it. There are six books total in the series. It is an overthrowing of the government. I actually got my brother to read it. Well, he read half, like mm-hmm. 180 pages. That's probably half. Um, he read, he read about half. Um, and I think he liked it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah. I think it's a really it's a it's the perfect example of sci-fi. Yeah. Without being so technical. Um, if you like fantasy, it reads a little like fantasy. So I think that that's a really cool, I, I, I didn't, I don't read a lot of Mm sci-fi, like traditional sci-fi. So I was a little nervous about getting into it, but I mostly read fantasy and it was, it it felt like a fantasy series, even though it's set on Mars. (laughs) Yeah. 
And I think it's also very approachable, especially if you grew up with things like Hunger Games or something like that, or Maze Runner, uh, because it is a class system based on color. Um, so people are born reds or golds or blues or pinks or whatever. Um, and then they're raised within that class system. Um, golds are at the top. Uh, and it is, like you said, it's an overthrow story. And then even within the golds, there's a class system. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's like high gold and low golds. Yeah, it's like the ultimate like separation of people into different categories. Um, great great series. I mean, I've only read the first one, but again, it's, and cannot say enough for how fast paced it is. Mm -hmm. It is just, as soon as you start reading it, it is action from page one to whatever the end is. There's, there's small little moments to breathe and you get to know characters a little, but for the most part, it is just pulse pounding straight up action through the whole thing. (coughs) We have a fantasy next. Do you want to go for yours? Yeah. So, so the fantasy I chose is Legends and Lattes and Bookshops and Bone Dust. I have two here because they're both by Travis Baldry. Bookshops and Bone Dust is a prequel, technically, mm-hmm. but they don't... I would still read them in Legends and Lattes and then Bookshops and Bone Dust, actually. That's what he recommends, actually. Because like, the epilogue mm-hmm. of Bookshops and Bone Dust references what Vi, I think is her name, what Vi's doing so. currently yeah. in Legends and Lattes. Um, so these are cozy fantasy. It's not intricate. There's, there is still world building. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it reads like, so if, if whoever you're purchasing for likes D and D, it reads like the in-between times of adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are they doing while they're waiting for the next bounty? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it reads, which I really liked a lot. Um, they're not difficult to read. They, they... There's not a lot of made-up words, which is what fantasy really makes difficult. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's that's my best. I, and that's one of my favorite yeah. books that I've read in a long time anyway. I think it's great. And it, it's kind of comparable to what we talked about with Becky Chambers because it is uh, it is cozy. So it's slower paced. It's more meditative. It's going to be a lot different, you know. Um, <clears throat> my recommendation for fantasy, which I'm learning that I don't read a lot of fantasy anymore, which kind of blows my mind a little bit because I grew up on... You know, Harry Potter, uh, grew up on Final Fantasy video games. I grew up on, uh, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. So I'm going to recommend Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. Uh, This is a book that I got, I tried to read. I got maybe 50, maybe 75 pages at the most into it. I enjoyed it, but it was just too much of an undertaking at the time because it's pushing 900 pages overall. It's only like 840. Right, pushing 900, like I said. Um, If it was over eight. Fifty. Actually, it might be like eight fifty-eight. Yeah. So, so anyway, it is a it is a big book. It is a massive book with a beautiful cover. One of the best covers I've ever seen of any book ever. Um, and there is a prequel to it. Um, I think it's called A Day of Fallen Night. Mm-hmm. But you definitely don't have to read the prequel. Um, you can just read this when it's a standalone fantasy. Again, very enjoyable story from what I what I saw. There's a lot of like different kingdoms. There's different like fantastical politics. There's uh, again dragons and magic and things like that involved. Um, but I recommend that one mostly because um, it is, uh, you know, it's an undertaking. And as an adult, it's a lot easier to say like, all right, I'm going to tackle this big mm-hmm. book. Like I think it's a little more overwhelming when you're younger. Um, well, depending on who you are, I guess, but, um, that's mine for, uh, 
for fantasy. Um, next, we have general fiction, which is more just kind of open-ended, kind of not specified anywhere. Uh, I'm going to go with Emily St. John Mandel, um, her book Station Eleven. So Emily St. John Mandel, uh, I think she has six books total. Um, I've read three of them. I've read Station Eleven, uh, read Sea of Tranquility, and I read The Glass Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has, I think it's Lola Quartet, Singer's Gun, and I, I, I never can remember that last one. It's uh, Last Night in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Last Night in Montreal. So anyway, um, I do want to put some qualifiers on this one. So this is a post-apocalyptic story. The concept of this book is uh, a virus uh, has plagued the earth, has killed a lot of the population, and normally a post-apocalyptic book like this would start with rebuilding. People would just start like rebuilding the earth, rebuilding like farms and getting clean drinking water and getting a shelter and things like that. This is very different. All of that stuff is basically already taken care of. So now the question is, what do we do about culture? Like, how do we recreate culture? How do we bring humanity back into this place? So it uh, it follows a traveling group of musicians and theater actors that are putting on Shakespeare plays from town to town, just basically just trying to reinvigorate the cultural landscape. Um, It's kind of slow, uh, it, it is, she uses very, you know, intricate language. Uh, there's a decent amount of big words in there. Um, it, it is sometimes difficult to follow the plot. There's a lot of description, a lot of detail of characters and, and settings and things. So it is a challenge to get through, but it is a great book. Um, by the time you get to the end, you feel like you've learned something about humanity and you see mm-hmm. the value of art and culture and things like that on a deeper level, which... As adults, again, this is something that we can tackle because hopefully we're much more developed and able to handle more intricate themes. I think it's really interesting when um, so many people tackle like survival mm-hmm. instead of living. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's because that's where the action is, right? right? But do you? Because like my whole thing is in a zombie. Because mm-hmm. when I think of dystopian, I think, all right, we're doing zombies. Right, right. Um, in a zombie scenario, you don't think about the what happens after. Right. You think about the what happens now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it doesn't feel like it matters mm-hmm. because there's no after. Yeah. But this is interesting that she's like, okay, well, here's the after. Now what do we do? Yeah. And I think that that's such a cool take on... A dystopian story because survival isn't living right yeah you're you're just you're just trying to keep breathing mm-hmm. and in a lot of these cases like that is what's important initially you know but yeah exploring the later exploring the more complex like how do we build culture again is big um this book is great as soon as i read it I got really into Emily St. John Mandel stuff and bought the rest of her books right. and read two more of them pretty quickly. Then had to take a pretty long break because they are a lot. Like, they're taxing. They're dense. Yeah. I've only read uh, Glass Hotel. Mm-hmm. And it was neat. Um, <laughs> it's such I a reductive did... <laughs> word. It was neat. I like so, it. So, they do reference um, 
so her sea of tranquility if, if that's what i'm thinking mm-hmm. references the previous five novels it ties in elements of them because it's a Time Sea of Tranquility is a time travel multi universe type story, which is like the most sci fi of any of her stories. There's like speculative fiction sci fi elements a little bit to each of them. Some paranormal in the glass hotel. But that the Sea of Tranquility is full on in that direction. And I think I think if I read The Glass Hotel, I think I would have liked it more, if we're being honest. (laughs) If you'd read which one? The Glass Hotel. I listened to it. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's not a book that. that you can listen to. That's I don't a, that's think. yeah, that's because a lot. <laughs> you can't tie in things. Oh, I re- remember this from before. Like if you if you've spaced out on something, you're done. Yeah, um, but I think they are good. I think they are good novels, um, and I think it is important to maybe broaden horizons for readers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So I th- I think that is a good choice. And I mean, they're you know they're like. New York Times bestsellers. They're res- right. She's so well Ob- respected. She's on Obama's book yeah, list. Yeah, like multiple times. I mean, it's like people know her. Like mm-hmm. she's she's a respected voice right now. Um, what's your uh, what's your general fiction? I forgot I didn't go yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I have Homewreckers by Mary Kay Andrews. Um, Mary Kay Andrews writes uh, like comfortable fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Southern fiction, from what I understand. Uh, I think they're all set in the South. Mm-hmm. I think that she's local to South Carolina, I think. One of the Carolinas. Yeah. Um, so, the reason I like Mary Kay Andrews, and I've read one of her books. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I liked it so much is that it's it, it doesn't make you think. If you just need to space out, if you just need to... To read something that makes you feel comfortable or read something that just doesn't make you stressed. I think this is the best genre book for you mm-hmm. because it is a mystery. It is a romance, but those aren't centralized. She's from Georgia, by the way. Oh, Sorry, go that ahead. was close. Yeah, They're really ahead. close. Go ahead. <laughs> and that's a pen name, too. Oh. Yeah. Cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, so... What this one is about specifically is about Hattie, who um, is just trying to save her family. Like mm-hmm. she just she wants to make sure that her family business doesn't get ruined by decisions that she makes. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a romance in it, but that's like really on the back burner. Mm-hmm. It is more about her finding herself. There is a mystery that's kind of on the back burner too. Um, she just needs to find her own strength. And I think that that's a really good story to read whenever you just need a break. And we should say Mary Kay Andrews does a lot of Christmas books. Yeah. Um, which are just great, like little kind of fluffy, good reads, you know, kind of hallmarky stuff. So yeah. if you're looking for something that is like holiday related, she's a good one to turn to. Yeah, I think she does a um, Christmas book every year. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, the next category that we got is uh, romance. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to go ahead with yours first? No, you should go because then I can build off of yours. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> we both picked an Emily Henry book. I I think, in my opinion, Emily Henry is like the pinnacle of romance right now because mm-hmm. she writes pretty well balanced characters that are consistently looking for romance and love, uh, or developing it's romance like the and typical love. Typical romance story. It's it, not like. Yeah. Because like, I need to preface this. There's, there's. It's not the smutty romance. No, 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 no. <laughs> and it, and also, but I was gonna say, I think it's well balanced between that and also 
like the characters coming into themselves, mm-hmm. like learning about themselves, developing themselves in a sense of identity and purpose in the world, especially Happy Place, which is not the one yeah. that I picked. Um, I picked Book Lovers. Um, it's the first Emily Henry that I read. I'm pretty biased because it's the first book that me and you read together. Mm-hmm. Like and we in were tandem. both in reading slumps. Yeah, and it really helped turn us around. Um, it's a very good book. Again, kind of reluctant romance um, develops between these characters. Uh, it's a lot about books and literature and people who love literature and writing and editing and publishing and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, highly recommend it if you're into books and you want to read a good romance. Uh, which Emily Henry book did you pick? <laughs> well, and I notice a lot of what we like is like cozy romance because yeah. it is a gateway into different types of romance or sure. cozy fantasy is a gateway into different types of fantasy. And I think that Emily Henry is the the epitome of a cozy romance there's yeah. not a lot there's not high stakes in the romance and there's yeah. not a lot of like because like it is there's a fine line lately yeah. between smutty romance and right. comfy romance yeah. yeah and i think that emily henry is that like perfect comfy romance author mm-hmm. because everything is there are moments where, like, the couple, like, the, the they get together and there's, like, semi-steamy moments. Yeah. But there's a lot of off-page moments. A there's lot not a lot of, of on-page yeah. moments. Yeah. Because um, that's not what it's about for her. Right. It's about it, the characters. It is about know? the development. Yeah. So, I chose uh, Beach Read by mm-hmm. Emily Henry. And both Book Lovers and Beach Read are about book people. Mm-hmm. So, in Book Lovers, it's an editor and a publisher. Mm-hmm. And in Beach Read... It's about two authors. So the reason I liked Beach Read is because um, the main character recently lost somebody close to her mm-hmm. and doesn't believe in love anymore. And she's a romance writer. And it's hard to write romance when you just want to kill your characters. Right, right. So she moves to... Well, she like spends... Some time at the beach, mm-hmm. at her father's beach house that he shared with his mistress. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not going to... Like, there's a minor, very minor spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's trying to get rid of it and finish her book because she has a deadline. Mm-hmm. And then the person that moves in next to her is somebody she's known since college who's also in the book world. And it's like a reluctant romance situation. And... They, she doesn't like him because she felt like she had to compete with him all mm-hmm. through college. Um, and they swap genres. Yeah. Well, throughout doing that, um, it's romance. So I don't think I need to tell you what happens. <laughs> and even though her books are semi-predictable as to, like, yeah, they're going to get together. That's what I like about it. Yeah. Because you know what to expect. You don't mm-hmm. have to guess. Yeah. No. It's great. Yeah, I, I love her books. Yeah, she's great. And again, great to get you out of a reading She's already slump. announced another book to release next year. For sure. I think she'll just keep putting them out. Cause she's, Every April. Yeah, she's good. <laughs> uh, and then we did a, a graphic novel as well. Another genre that I don't think gets enough attention. Um, the graphic novel that I chose, if you're familiar with like Gravity Falls or Adventure Time or like animated shows like that, maybe even like a, a little bit of a regular show, if you remember that animated show, there's a little bit of that in it. So these are like animated shows that appeal to a younger audience, but there's themes and content and stuff that are still engaging for an older audience. Um, 
Well, there's a graphic novel called Lumberjanes by Shannon Waters, Grace Ellis, Gus Allen, and N.D. Stevenson. Um, and it is uh, the story of a group of uh, young women who go into, uh, they go to this camp, um, this kind of summer camp out in the woods. And while they're like earning badges and stuff like that, they're like getting wrapped up in like a lot of like weird cryptozoology, mystical element stuff going on. It's it's funny. It's heartfelt. There's really good characters. Uh, and again, it's all about kind of finding your identity and your place in the world and about friendship and community and bonding. Um, and it's, uh, it's just a great one. Um, if you want something a little more serious, read something like Saga or Paper Girls or Watchmen or uh, something like that. Those are a little bit more serious and dark. Um, this one is much more upbeat. It's funny, but still a lot of good, good lessons to be learned. Uh, so the one that I chose is The Adventure Zone. It is by Travis, Justin, and Griffith McElroy and their dad, uh, Clint McElroy. They do a D&D comedy podcast about D&D, um, but it's not so structured to the D&D format. It is more like narrative D&Ding. And so what they did was they turned their podcast into a graphic novel. They have five volumes out right now. Um, it is a continuous story. This mm-hmm. one is. Um, and it's just fun. Uh, there are moments where Clint comes... Not Clint. There's moments where uh, Griffin comes in and he talks to you as the reader. And he talks to his characters on the paper because he's the dungeon master. Mm-hmm. And so he breaks the fourth wall and talks to the characters in the story. And it's just really funny because there's moments where he has something titled already. Um, and he has to scratch out the title yeah. and title it something that the the boys came up with. Right. And so he's like holding this sign that has a scratched out name and it's just funny. That is funny. Um, I, like that. I think that that one is a good one for, mm-hmm. what did I say, like older teenagers and mm-hmm. up because there are some, uh, there is some dirty humor. Yeah. Not but, not a lot. Right. But there's and there's not like graphic humor. moments. There's yeah. just like dirty humor. Like crude yeah. humor. Absolutely. I also, um, if you know somebody likes somebody that likes manga, I would recommend Kaiju number eight. Mm-hmm. If they've liked Death Note, I think that they would like Kaiju number eight. Yeah. Um, I've talked about Kaiju number eight. I'm not going to talk about it too much more, <laughs> except that it's a really good story. There are seven volumes out right now mm-hmm. um and then also i would talk about uh something's killing the children which mm-hmm. is a graphic novel about somebody like an organization who sees monsters that kill children yeah and they have to fight these monsters very, and keep it secret it's very buffy mm-hmm. yeah and it's very good and the drawing is really cool every single it's cover creepy. is amazing it's creepy yeah. and dark yeah it is very dark yeah that is not that is for adults yeah for sure. <laughs> so I think that that's all the adult recommendations that we yeah. have. Um, we do have two more quick things that we want to do, and then we're going to start wrapping up. Um, so we also wanted to do a very small segment that's kind of like, if you're not really sure what you want to get somebody, but you know that they're interested in certain things, uh, we wanted to kind of pitch a couple of recommendations. Think of like, if you like this, then check out this mm-hmm. sort of situation. Um, so uh, my first one... Uh, That's fine. Okay. Uh, so if you've got somebody that is really into video games and you would like to get them a book, um, I would recommend going with Boss Fight Books. So Boss Fight Books 
is um, uh, an organization that focuses on publishing nonfiction books by a variety of authors. Um, and essentially what this is, is someone will have a video game that they really like, they'll pitch the idea for the book to the company, and then they'll publish the book with the title of that game as the title of the book. So, for example, uh, Chrono Trigger is a big game that came out on Super NES way back in the day in the 90s. Um, so there's a book just called Chrono Trigger. Um, and the guy who wrote that book decided to take the approach of telling how the game relates to his life, um, some personal stories, while also doing some analysis of it and looking at themes and characters and things like that. These vary a lot. Some of these are just going to be pure summary recap of the game, and some of them are going to be full-on analysis of breaking down themes and things like that. Some of them will have a research element where they're bringing in information from outside sources, maybe even interviews and things like that. And then again, some of them are almost just entirely summary and recapping. The Kingdom Hearts 2 one, for example, that was almost pure recap. It was fine. It wasn't my favorite of them because I wanted a little more analysis, a little bit more criticism. But so if you're if you know somebody that's into video games, I would say take a look at that. There might be one that works really well for them. There are um, twenty eight. Yeah, twenty eight of these. Um, and then uh, if you know someone that's into music um, and you want to get them a book. Uh, obviously, the They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us that I mentioned for nonfiction is a great pick. Um, there's plenty, plenty of biographies and memoirs and stuff out there. I've got a Van Halen biography. I've got a ACDC biography. I have a Led Kiss. Zeppelin biography. I have a Kiss biography. Um, I mean, I've got plenty of those kinds of things. Um, but I would also recommend the series of books called 33 and a Third. Um, these are similar to Boss Fight books. And that someone will take an artist or a band or an album or a song and then they will write a small book about that. So it's usually analyzing it, looking at the cultural impact, breaking down some of the music. Uh, they're very interesting books. I, I have the one on Kendrick Lamar and there's a ton of those things out there. 179. Yeah, yeah. They made a lot of those <laughs> and they're really cool. Like, And they, and they branch <clears throat> across genres too. So it's not just like hip hop or just country or just rock or something um also i'd like to throw this one out there i don't have this on my list but if, if somebody's into movies um and you would like to get them something uh there's a book called stephen king goes to the movies that's really good i think i've mentioned it before but it's a book of uh short stories of his that have been adapted into movies so like the children of the corn short story for example and then he'll have a short essay where he writes about the movie adaptation and what he thinks of that movie adaptation so it's a good just kind of commentary on filmmaking and adapting uh, books to the screen. And it's very good. I've read the whole thing, and I haven't read a ton of Stephen King. So, all right. There's uh, a lot of these 33 and a third. Yeah. Um, there's a ton of them. Yeah. yeah. There's a D'Angelo one, Elton John, Janet Jackson. Yeah. There's a Britney Spears Pearl Jam. I well, mean, it, it like well, we rain. saw like a ton yeah. of them at the at the bookshop. And the, uh, to pimp a butterfly, but to pimp a butterfly, the one that you have is like one sixty six of one seventy nine. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But all right, so what are your uh, little recommendations in this category? Oh, okay. So uh, recently, I got off of reading. I got off of reading. No, <laughs> recently I read A Court of Thorns and Roses. There are. So 
six or seven books in that series and then she has a throne of glass series which has a bunch of books and then she has a crescent city series which has a bunch of books so if you liked akatar you could do any sarah j mass but if whoever you're purchasing for has already read all of the sarah j mass i would also recommend the red queen or the realm breaker series by victoria aviard i read the red queen in about a like seven hours probably mm -hmm. it was very good and i want to read the rest of them there's a box set on my wish list currently for all five books. Yep. <laughs> um, and then Realm Breakers on there also. So that is one that I would I would highly recommend. Um, the next one I have is if you liked the uh, if you liked the book where the crawdads sing, you might like the novel The Last Carolina Girl by Megan Church. I have not read this. My mom sent me this recommendation and it sounds really good, but I bet she found it by typing in books for uh Carolina girls because she has her group of friends that that's what they're called. <laughs> she has a little gang, is what you're saying. Yeah, right? no, they're a club. Oh yeah, they're a motorcycle club, not a motorcycle gang. <laughs> right. of course, of course, of course. They don't drive motorcycles. Right. <laughs> just, just in case that wasn't sarcastic enough. <laughs> um, a searing book club novel for fans of Where the Crawdads Sing and the Girls in the Stilt House, following one girl fighting for her family, her body, and her right to create a future all her own. Some folks will do anything to control the wild spirit of a Carolina girl. For 14-year-old Leah Payne, life in her beloved coastal Carolina town is as simple as it's free. Devoted to her lumberjack father and running through the wilds where the forest meets the shore, Leah's country life is as natural as the loblolly pines that rise to greet the southern sky. When an accident takes her father's life, Leah is wrenched from her small community and cast into a family of strangers with a terrible secret. Separated from her only home, Leah is kept apart from the family and forced to act as a helpmate for the well-to-do household. When a moment of violence and prejudice thrusts Leah into the center of the state's shameful darkness, she must fight for her own future against a world that doesn't always value the wild spirit of a Carolina girl. Set in 1935 against the very real backdrop of a recently formed state eugenics board, The Last Carolina Girl is a powerful, heart-wrenching story of fierce strength, forgotten history, autonomy, and the places and people we ultimately call home. So if you've read uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, you can see the parallels because uh, the main character, who they call Marsh Girl, doesn't understand what it's like to be away from the marsh. Mm -hmm. That's her home. That's where she's grown up. That's what she knows. And ultimately, the marsh is her family. Yeah. And so this feels like it's going to be a similar thing where wherever she, this coastal town where she's grown up, that's her family. And that's her home, and that's what she's known and what she understands. And then she's thrust into, like, the real world, and the real world sucks. Right. <laughs> that sounds like a good one. It does sound like a good recommendation whenever you're in the mood for that type of mm -hmm. book, for sure. So, um, Right, that's all we have for the If This Then That's, yeah. right? So our very last segment here are going to be uh, some kind of messy, rapid-fire, mm -hmm. book-related gifts. So these might be books, but not necessarily books. Um, and some recommendations just for book lovers in general, if you're looking for something. Because there's a lot of that material out there. There's tons of it. If you type in gifts for book lovers, mm -hmm. you're going to get millions of options. So we want to highlight a few of the ones that we have some experience with that we think are really cool and really interesting and some that maybe you wouldn't be able to see if you tried to sift through all those results. Um, <clears throat> so just to throw out a couple that I got. So I got ABE Books. 
this is a website that houses uh, allows independent booksellers across the country to sell their books online. Um, it's a very good site for independent book shops. Um, it's a great place for just individual sellers that don't want to have to go through like Amazon or something like that. Um, it, think of it sort of like a specified like eBay mm-hmm. that is tailored just for booksellers. Um, it's a great option for like antique books uh, or like unique special books, uh, but also great for autographed copies. I bought a couple autographed copies of books from there. It's an awesome service, so I highly recommend checking out ABE Books if you're wanting to get autographed copies, antiques, something like that. Um, And then, uh, similarly, I would say Juniper Books um, is a good website. Pretty expensive, but they do uh, special editions of books, and they'll design book jackets um, that will make books look like art pieces, basically. So they might have a set of Lord of the Rings. It'll be all three books. The book jackets, whenever you line up the spines of them, it might create like a mountain image. Uh, I saw one of the Hunger Games earlier that the book jackets, when they're lined up, it's like kind of a painted looking Ooh. version of Katniss, like staring off into the sky. Oh, yeah, that's it's cool. Beautiful. Um, they have the Wheel of Time one, which is the one that I think is the most impressive because there's like 13, 14 mm-hmm. books or something in that series. And the whole thing makes a big mural that says the Wheel of Time. Uh, so, again, pretty expensive, but a great option if you're looking for high-end, like, collectible art pieces, basically. Um, and then the last one that I've written down, I'll throw out a few more afterwards, but the last one I have written down is a subscription service called Caffeine and Legends. Caffeine and Legends is a book subscription service that pairs uh, either hot chocolate, tea, or coffee with a fantasy book. So you'll get a fantasy book, and then you select which caffeine, quote-unquote, you want, and they'll drop that one in, and they try to pair them up, from what I understand, with whatever the fantasy book is to make them a little bit more relatable in that sense. Um, I don't think they're terribly priced. 40 Yeah, it's not, not bad, bad at all, yeah. And sometimes they'll throw in some other little book-related gifts as well, um, but it's usually just the, the caffeine and the, the book, from what I understand, so... So it comes with, I have it pulled up because oh, I was okay. trying to figure out how much it is because I, I figured out that I could get this as a gift for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, a fantasy book, a delicious new coffee, tea, or drinking chocolate to try, um, an extra item usually sourced from a small business to go with the theme of the month, a booklet with a letter from the author, write up mm. about the curated items, and a themed recipe, Ooh. which we try to tailor to the book or season. That's nice. cool. Nice. I didn't know about that. The recipe, That's really cool. The recipe part sells me even more on mm-hmm. it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that that's one of the book boxes, the book subscriptions that I don't think gets enough attention. Um, I rarely really hear cool. people talk about that one. I've only ever seen maybe one book talker that was uh, sponsored by them, and other than that, I don't think I've seen anything about them anywhere. But um, do you want to run down the ones you have written down, and then we can spitball some other ones? Absolutely. Okay. So, uncommongoods.com has really cool gifts in general. Uh, the, the thing I found that was, to me, the most affordable and the neatest thing uh, was a magnetic bookmark that looked like a tab arrow, and it said, I fell asleep here, which would be perfect for people who read right before bed and don't finish chapters like me. Um, I mean, I guess it would work for Aaron. He would just... It would just be at the start of the next chapter where he put his. (laughs) I can rarely go to bed in the middle of a chapter. It bothers me. But they also have um, 
like there's a birthday book where mm-hmm. it's the New York Times articles for every year. I love that. Since the year of the person's birth. Yeah. Um, on the day of their birth, like what yeah. was the article the day of their birthday or something like that. Love that. Yeah. Um, so they have a bunch of book related things too. Mm-hmm. So I would check out Uncommon Goods. Fabrologics is F A B R I. L-O-G-I-C-S, I hope. Yeah. On Facebook and TikTok, my friend Ginger, her family runs this business. It is a small business, and she does, uh, like, handcrafted things. So mm-hmm. she can put whatever you want on a shirt, a bag, a cup, an ornament if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, she can do all, like, her family does all that. Her oldest daughter, Bree, does the most of it, Um I see her on TikTok. You're going to see her on TikTok most if you if you look at them look at look them up on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But the whole family participates in helping that business run. For sure. Um and then the last thing I have, oh no, I have two things written down. <laughs> <laughs> um uh what a year memory box by Penny Cake. It was a really neat thing that my mom sent me. I no, I was talking to my mom when I found it. Um but it is a box and it says every year is what a year filled with time we cherish and want to remember. That's where this memory box comes in. Fill it to the broom with mementos, trinkets, and knickknacks that remind you of these special moments, big and small. In addition to filling your memory box with things that remind you of the year, find some time uh, for everyone in your family to share their memories of the year and record them through words and pictures. So there's a memory notepad, there's about us sheets, there's uh, photo keepers and letters to our future selves. It's like a, almost like a yearly time capsule. Mm-hmm. And it's not 100% book related, but you could make it book related if you were like year in books. Mm-hmm. Or if you wanted, um, if you didn't want to necessarily do this one, because this one is a little bit more geared towards a younger audience. There is a, I, I looked it up just to make sure, but there is a yearly memento album mm-hmm. i mean that's an album is a book right, right. <laughs> it's just a book of your life right, right. <laughs> and then the last thing i have is the book of the month subscription box i got this for my birthday from aaron um i really liked it a lot because you have six books that you can choose from each month and some of them are new releases and some of them haven't been released yet so you get like the first pick um they're i think that it's a really cool um, subscription box because it's not super expensive and so mm-hmm. if you want to gift it to somebody it would be something that would be a really good gift because they can choose their book instead of you choosing the book for them right uh, so that's what i have written down yeah and I, i'll throw out just a couple other random ones like real rapid fire here because i don't want to keep us going too much longer um <laughs> So there's a there's a company called PopChart. Um, I think it's like popchart.co or .com. Uh, they do like scratch-off posters um, of like different types of media. They have some for like ballparks and movies and things, but the, I have one for books. So it's like a kind of like a top 50 or top 100 books thing. And as you read one, they have this little guitar pick looking thing that you use to scratch it off to track your progress on it. And then again, it's a poster that you can frame and things like that. Um, I would also recommend uh, getting a good book journal. Um, so there's hundreds of uh, thousands of options for book journals out there. 
Uh, Barnes & Noble usually gives one away with their subscription or their membership service every year. I have a bibliophile book journal. It's like hardcover. It's my first book journal, I think, that I was keeping up with. Um, the big thing is find one that has material that you like. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times it'll give rating systems or individualized information, places for summaries, publishers, stuff like that. It's really cool just to kind of track your reading, look back at it at the end of the year and say, oh, look at this. I read that. I remember this book or that character was cool. You yeah. know. Um, also, there are books about books that are super cool. Um, so we have a banned book book. It's called Read These Banned Books. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just lays out, was it 52 yeah, banned books? Yeah, it's a 52-week challenge. Yeah, and then it gives an area for review. It tells you why they're banned or challenged in different uh, and I areas. Think you can, I dropped mine. I think you can talk about how, like, why or or how you feel about yeah. why it's, it's... Challenged in that way or banned. Yeah, they... There's a lot of options. Um, well, so here's so it also gives you like a writing prompt. Yeah. Um. So this is Crank by Ellen Hopkins, and then the writing prompt is name your bolder alter ego. Why did you pick that name? Yeah. So the prompts are really neat too because it shows the value of the books. Yeah. Right? It highlights a theme or something. Like how did you relate to this book? Exactly. Yeah. So that's awesome. There's another one called Around the World in Eighty Books that's great. Uh, again, inspired by the Around the World in Eighty Days, but it's all about books and it's about books from different areas of the globe to help it broaden your reading scope and it gives you information about the book and you know things like that so that you can track it down and read it if you want to uh, let's see i think that I'm, i have yeah. um so one of my biggest recommendations is pango books it just recently came out it's it's where people who own books can sell their own books yeah yeah um and most of the time you'll get like loot crate editions, owl crate editions, you know, like special editions that they don't necessarily need anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you can find really neat editions there. Um, I would also, what do I have? I have something else here. Oh, like a book sleeve oh, would yeah, be really neat good. to protect their book. Um, Etsy has a bunch of handmade ones. Uh, Second and Charles sells them that are not handmade. They're, they're like kind of neat leather bound. Um, and then I would also recommend getting like a special edition of somebody's favorite book mm-hmm. because uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, how many copies of Frankenstein I have. Uh, but as long as it's not the same copy, I'm not going to be disappointed. Right. Because I have a manga edition. I have an illustrated edition. I have the scientific text edition. Um, I have one that has this really neat cover on it. So... All of those additions are important in some way because they're different. And I think that's the thing. It's like don't shy away from getting somebody the same book if it's a different version of it that yeah. is has some interesting hook to it. Yeah. I mean, I have China Achebe's Things Fall Apart book, which is a majorly important book for my research and my studies in college. And then I found another edition of it that has like a bunch of critical essays included. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff out there for classics, especially that you can find. So don't shy away from buying a, another copy of a book for somebody right. if they're into you know collecting books. Um, other than that, I mean, bookmarks, you know, book diff- lights, book lights yeah. um, you know, those different types of things. Bookshelves. Yeah, that, <laughs> even even like the stamps. I've seen like the embossed mm-hmm. stamps that you can stamp. The Be really page. careful with who you purchase your embosser from though if you get one because i got one from and i don't really remember where i think i got it on amazon but it Mm -hmm. ended up being an overseas seller 
where anytime I would emboss something, it would rip my pages. So yeah. I tried it on a book that I didn't really care about, uh, that I was planning on getting rid of anyway. And no matter what pressure I used, those pages would stick to that embosser. So I would just be careful. Yeah. I, yeah. I would look at reviews for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But, it, you know, there's a million and one different things out there. We just wanted to highlight some of the specific gifts that we think are cool and useful. Um, you can also do like a book basket. Yeah. Um, they call them boo baskets on TikTok. Mm, that's funny. Um, but another one could do, because like if you know somebody likes to annotate their books, like write mm-hmm. in their books, mark their books, you could do like a little care package of annotating, annotating supplies. So yeah. post-it notes. Bible um, highlighters. Bible <laughs> highlighters, tabs, you know, any anything that you think they might use for that. Or you can even make a blind date with a book. Mm-hmm box those which i think fun. those are neat yeah or you can go on etsy and find blind date with the books they're, they're very fun yeah. for me those are difficult because i might have it <laughs> but... yeah, yeah it depends on how many books the person has but yeah but i think that's about all the recommendations that i have this this has ran a little bit longer than expected was it longer than the, the first one that we recorded oh yeah oh by like 25 minutes oh look at, at us point. yeah so um, i'm glad we're complaining right <laughs> I'm glad we were able to share some of this stuff, and as long as this file doesn't get corrupted as well, uh, then we we should be okay. Um, But thank you for listening. Uh, You can follow us on uh, Instagram at TalkBookie. Uh, you can check out our Goodreads, which is uh, backslash Fee Marie, Mm -hmm. right? And then backslash ATCole1400 for me. Um, You can also email us at talkbookie at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for book-related gifts or things that you think are cool and recommendations, uh, send it there. Or just any questions or comments on the show overall, feel free to send it there as well. Uh, We're on most major platforms. Um, We're on uh, Straight Through Podbean. We're on Amazon Music. Uh, We're on Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and uh, one more Apple podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't think I said that one. Yeah. So um, leave a rating, review, subscribe, follow, do all those fun things. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in the middle of the month for a regular episode, catching up on our TBR. And we should have one more special episode out this month as well. Yep. And I just want to say welcome to the holiday season of 2023. And yeah. may the odds be ever in your favor. Right. Good luck with everything. And- Yeah, we hope to hear from you soon, and hopefully you got some good recommendations from us. Okay, bye.